I asked Reese if I could introduce him as Reese who has played Carnegie Hall, and he said I didn't have to do that. And then he said, because I've even played Brookwood. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, you can make an argument for, for Carnegie Hall, but he's right. He's played Brookwood. So thank you so much, Reese. Just beautiful, beautiful. Well, it's been a lot of fun the last few days looking at all these joy-filled posts on Facebook. That is my social media of choice. It's been made clear to me by people who love me that I am too old uh, to be on Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat. So I am following uh, their rules there. But uh, uh, I wondered the other day, what if God himself were on Facebook? What if God were on Facebook. You know, what would his profile be? You know, where it says name and relationship status and photos and friends and this kind of thing. And I thought, I wonder if somebody has thought about that. So I did what any good scholar should do. I googled it and and to see if anybody had put that. And sure enough, someone suggested that this would be uh, God's profile on Facebook. First of all, name the deity. Secondly, relationship status, triune and serenely blissful. I love that. Next, Number of friends I only know. Next, unfriended, list currently blocked, because he, he's friends with everybody. Uh, photos, none available, see second commandment. I like that. Timeline, from the beginning, created the world, didn't I? Next, what's on your mind, what isn't? And finally, oh, then, then some recent posts, finally. And, and again, I think these are good, and I don't know if he would actually do this, but they're justified anyway. My book is still the all-time bestseller and bestseller every year. True. Another one, now have billions of worshipers. Next, whatever happened to Zeus? Next, thank me, it's Friday. <laughs> and finally, Sunday, taking the day off. Now, thank God that he did not decide to show his face through some social media or in some other impersonal, distant manner. No, he decided to show his face really in the most intimate of ways, definitely the most personal of ways, through his son, who was the very incarnation, Christ himself. I want us to think about that last post, by the way, Sunday taking the day off. You know, that's a humorous reference to the Sabbath, of course, but it's a significant part of our faith, this Sabbath. In fact, as many of you know, we talk about the Sabbath and use it as one of our many evidences for the resurrection of Jesus. You know, it was a monumental shift for Jews who became Christians in the first century to begin worshiping not on the Sabbath Saturday, but on Sunday. Why? Because they knew that was the day that that was when Jesus rose, and they were sure of that. And again, that's a wonderful evidence for the resurrection. But that was an amazing transition. Here, centuries upon centuries, they had been worshiping on the Sabbath, but they said, no, we need to break with that other religious faith. We are a whole new faith, and this is why we're doing it. So it's very significant even then. Now, all the more special for us that, you know, we're celebrating the Sabbath tomorrow, the Christian Sabbath, and it's also Christmas Day. Uh, That's a shift for me. I don't think I've ever been here uh, on Christmas Day uh, when it's Sunday, so I'm excited about that. I was always either already out of town or probably an interim pastor somewhere. Uh, You are more than welcome to come. Dress is casual, and pajamas are welcome for children, and uh, keep that in mind. But uh, hope that you'll be here. And again, I'm excited about this and how special it is to to celebrate uh, Christmas on Sunday. 
And I hope and pray that, that this evening and all day tomorrow, you will have a strong sense of being blessed by a profound sense of God's Sabbath peace. I hope that it is for you a very Sabbath Christmas. When the good news of Jesus' birth came along to the shepherds, you remember what happened next. The heavenly host sang, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom he is pleased or with whom he is pleased. And that last phrase, with whom he is pleased, is wonderful. It's saying peace among those who embrace the grace that he invites them to have for their own. Wonderful, wonderful gift and promise. And so we celebrate that Christ came into the world for us through the incarnation, and it's put most succinctly and I think most beautifully in John 1.14. Some of us learned it differently when we were younger. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. So the Word became human and made His home among us. Literally, He pitched His tent among us, is what the Word says. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The Word became flesh. What an incredible miracle that is. But I hope we keep in mind just how incredible that miracle is to the degree that, you know, when He became human, consider the miracle of the degree to which He condescended to come down to be with us. As Philippians 2.7 says, you know, he emptied of himself, making himself nothing in a way, becoming human and becoming a human servant. He lowered himself to that degree. And to me, that just magnifies the miracle of God in the flesh all the more. Lowering himself to meet us at our level where we are in our broken world. There's a wonderful surgeon uh, named Dr. Richard Seltzer. He just died this last uh, June. Also a very prolific author. His best-known book is a diary of his most memorable surgeries. He was chief of surgery for many years at Yale Medical School. And in that wonderful diary, he tells a story about one surgery he had to do on a woman in her 20s, a young wife, and she was diagnosed with a tumor in her cheek that was malignant that he had to get at, but he realized during the surgery that he would have to sever a particular nerve, and he tried to avoid it, but despite all his best efforts, he could not avoid it, and he had to sever this nerve in order to get the tumor and have it extracted so that she could live. And he was able to do that, but he was also a bit apprehensive and disappointed because when he severed that nerve, it caused her lips to to become crooked. Her mouth became crooked and misshapen, and and he was disappointed with that, but he was glad that he, he saved her life, of course, but he was a little apprehensive wondering how the young husband would be when he came in and saw her now with this misshapen mouth. And the young man came in, and, and Dr. Seltzer was encouraged because he spoke warm words to his wife and joked with her about her new look. But then Dr. Seltzer's encouragement really turned to awe as, as this young man bent down towards his wife and twisted his own lips to fit her crooked mouth and then kissed her. You know, Christmas is all about the incarnation, you know, the divine word becoming flesh, and it's about a holy God who bent down so far and, in a sense, twisted his lips to meet our own crooked, misshapen ones, our own misshapen lives that have been, in a sense, deformed, disfigured by the sin in our lives and the brokenness in our world, and yet he came down that low into our world of despair to offer us his grace, really to offer us a way out. And out of that, he gave us Sabbath peace. And through this, he shows us his boundless love. This is such a rich verse 
Let me read it again. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And I hope and pray that that tonight and and tomorrow when you celebrate uh, Christmas on the Sabbath, that you will realize his unfailing love for you and his faithfulness toward you no matter what. You know, tonight and tomorrow we can celebrate his glory in so many ways that we can really look back and see how we experienced his face over the past year. You know, how we saw his face, not, perhaps not literally, but how uh, we saw his face uh, at a time when we were in crisis and someone cared for us. Or maybe sometime, you know, when, when we had prayers answered. Uh, maybe when someone ministered to us or when me, we ministered to someone else, we saw the face of Christ there. Or maybe simply when he gave us guidance and discernment on something or forgiveness for something that we truly regret. The list goes on and on, the ways that we have seen the face of Christ over the past year. And I hope you'll take some time out tonight and tomorrow to give thanks for that very reality. And ultimately, that's why we're here tonight, is to give Him the glory. You know, for centuries, uh, rabbis taught and proclaimed and argued that if, if everyone would actually rest on the Sabbath, if everyone would actually rest, the Messiah would actually come for the first time. Well, Christianity puts a wonderful twist on that, doesn't it? Because the Messiah has already come, and because he has already come, we have that invitation to receive that rest and that peace that he offers only to you and to me. It seems such a strange way to show us his faithfulness and his grace and his love and his peace that he wants to offer to us, such a strange way to do that for us, and yet that is just what he does. Reminds me of a song that Keith sang uh, a few weeks ago called A Strange Way to Save the World. And it's sung from the perspective of Joseph, who's the earthly father of Jesus, as you know. And one stanza really captures this whole idea of God condescending down to us in order to be with us and show us that love, that kiss of love that we talked about. And one stanza puts it this way, as he came down to our world of crookedness and misshapenness. To think of how it could have been if Jesus had come as he deserved. There would have been no Bethlehem, no lowly shepherds at his birth. I think about that. He deserved to come down in a much more holy, magisterial fashion. But he didn't do that. And he goes on to say, Now I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say. But this is such a strange way to save the world. Strange and yet so unconditionally loving Strange and yet somehow it makes sense. Strange and yet so desperately needed. Strange and yet that which gives us Sabbath peace from this world to the next.